Hello and welcome to Adolescence and Beyond podcast. I'm your host, Gina Dermody, Adolescent Psychotherapist, and we're here to figure a few things out about adolescent development. We're going to work from the early stages to the beyond of emerging adulthood. So let's get started and let's see what's happening in the world of adolescence and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's episode. We're going to talk about worry today. It's a great word, isn't it? Worry. It's this thing we all do, whether we're adults, adolescents, young adults, whatever stage of life, we tend to worry and we tend to build a relationship with it over our life. We know logically Worrying has never helped anyone. We know it's futile. And yet, we do it all day, every day. It's amazing, isn't it? Something that's so rubbish, so useless, so pointless, we engage in it. Now, I'm probably one of those people that's known as a worrier or a stress ball. Yes, I am. It doesn't matter how I try and deny it, I do tend to worry. I don't tend to worry about the big stuff. I tend to worry about the little stuff, the stuff that hasn't happened yet. I'm really good at having a, a great visceral response in my body where my heart rate will go up and I'm sure if I had one of those watches, you know, smart watches, one I do have that never use, that it, 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 it would show blood pressure, elevated heart rate. It would show the full fight or flight response because I can have an instant. What's that word? I can never say it. Instantaneous. That's the word. Reaction to something. And, and, and it will show on my face. Anybody that knows me well know that I have way too many expressions on my face. Um, some which are not too attractive. But there you go. Yes, I do tend to worry. And when adolescents come along and they worry, we, we, we tend to get a, a little bit stressed out about it. Oh my God. And we might give them their, oh, you're a worrier. And parents will often say to me, oh, they're like me. Isn't it amazing as parents, we never tend to spout out our, our great qualities and say that our children or our adolescents or young adults, oh, they got that wonderful quality. But we, we'll trot out those, oh yeah, they, they got that from me as we kind of cringe and, you know, roll our eyes or, or grind our teeth a little bit. So we all have this relationship with worry. And some of us have learned how to worry over the years. Some of us have borrowed it, usually from a parent or another family member. And we tend to trot on in this relationship with worry, like it's a little bit of a close friend or a confidant. And yet, when we notice our children, adolescents, young adults worrying, you know, we very quickly say, well, you don't need to worry about that. Or don't be ridiculous. Or don't be so silly. Or oh my God, they're worrying about that. What am I going to do? So we tend to have various reactions. But one thing is for sure is we don't like it when young people worry. 
we really don't like it. We get concerned that this worrying is going to lead to something, that they're in their bedroom a little bit too long, that something might happen to them. And we want to take it away from them. And the thing is, for most adolescents and young adults, we can't actually take worry away. Because worry is a very important part of adolescent development. If you think about a young adolescent from 10 onwards, they're navigating a world of a lot of firsts. First time to maybe try at sports, first time to try on something new, first time to do a presentation. There's a lot of firsts. So it's their first experience of something. So the, the body will always respond to a first as it's a little bit of a threat because it hasn't done it before. It's like the first time, you know, we go somewhere. Oh gosh, will I know anyone? Or what's it going to be like there? We're constantly scanning for, you know, am I going to be safe? So we know that when they do something and if they practice it, that they get better at it. And we often say, well, you need to try again or it's going to be okay. And we give that lovely reassurance because we often have the experience as adults that, yeah, you you, you will survive that and, yeah, it, you know, it'll be okay. So worry is an inevitable and necessary part. But somehow we want to make that, that worry a little bit more manageable or a little bit easier. Or sometimes we even want to take it away. And what adolescents are often saying to us is, you know, this thing is important to me. And I want to spend time thinking about it. I want to look at how I'm going to show up. I want to try my best. I want to put the best version of myself or my best foot forward. And what they're saying to us is, I want to establish a relationship with myself. This is what's happening here. And I, and I want this relationship with myself to look good. And I want to be able to, to use my, my heart, my soul, my my ability here. And so often we have to journey with them. And on that journey of worry, that is, as I said, an inevitable part of um, adolescence, we often have to help them pace the worry. Okay, how big is this worry? How small is this worry? What's your biggest fear around this worry? What might be the best outcome? So it's not to dismiss the worry as such, but often, you know, we ask people to write down their worries. We ask them to describe their worries. Often we just want to get a little bit more detail rather than putting it away in the cupboard or saying that won't happen. Because we know from experiences, we can't give bulletproof reassurances. We really can't. And we can't say everything is going to be okay because we don't know. Now, we, we don't want to frighten adolescents either and going, yeah, you know what, it might not turn out okay. And yes, you might actually make a balls of that. We don't want to go down that road. So often, as adults, as parents, we're, we're opening that guidebook and we're saying, right, where do we want this to go? How big do we want this worry to get? Or, is, you know, is there a way that maybe we can reduce it a little bit? Or is there a way we can manage it? And often adolescents really respond to that. Because if you think of yourself, when you go to a friend, 
with a particular issue or a concern. You usually don't want them to fix it and you actually don't want their advice either. You want to be listened to so that you can come to the answer yourself or you want a friend maybe to steer you a little bit. But none of us really want advice because we don't listen to it. None of us really want to be told something is going to be okay, but we need to see someone's attuned face, someone's listening face, someone who says, yeah, I'm, I'm taking you seriously here. Tell me a bit more. And then when we're heard like that, that very logical part of our brain, that problem solver actually kicks in and it gives us really good answers. But when, when we worry excessively or we, we, we get into that loop of worrying, the logical part of the brain, just it just goes offline. It's like you make it redundant and you go to the back of the brain, the back of the brain where our stress response lives. And you pull that out and you go, yeah, I can spend hours doing this and I can make the worries even bigger. And I can t- catastrophize wor- my worries and I can turn into a fortune teller, a really bad one. And adolescents, unfortunately, are in that limbic part of their brain. That part of their brain that has heightened sensitivity, heightened emotional intensity. You know, you've often heard an adolescent say, oh, I couldn't tell my parents that they'd kill me. Or, oh, my God, this is going to be awful. Or what if? <gasps> and, you know, you might do an eye roll and go, oh, my God, don't be ridiculous. But in that emotional intensity of an adolescent, they are actually designed to really worry. And so as an adult, you come along and you accept this part of their brain development. You say, right, they're worrying about something that you know, possibly I know through experience will be okay. Or they're catastrophizing here or they're not actually seeing their abilities. They're creating something here. And so when we accept that, we get much better at going, okay, Okay, let's, let's, let's figure this out. And we build that language of alliance. I wonder, you know, what we can do here. Or, you know, I wonder, well, tell me a bit more. Often I get accused of sounding like a therapist when I say, okay, tell me a bit more. I'm banned from saying, and how do you feel about that? So I tend to use, you know, nice neutral language of right, mm-hmm, Mm-hmm. And, okay, is there something else? And it's like it, it's encouraging and I'm, I'm nodding my head and I'm reserving judgment and I'm reserving my eye roll. Not helpful when somebody is worried because if anybody rolls their eyes at us, we, 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 we feel dismissed. We feel then a bit stupid. And that's the last thing you want to do when an adolescent has actually taken the courage, taken the time to express a worry. And those two minutes, three minutes of listening, they can make such a difference. And it's like closing your lips, apart from the mm-hmm and the few little statements, closing your lips, reserving judgment, and being curious of, enough to know what is it that is actually worrying you? What does this worry look like? And knowing that you can actually help pace it, 
You can help support it. You can help maybe dismantle it. You can help distract it. And you can actually do that. You really can as as a parent. Sometimes as a good friend, you can do that. And it's going with the policy of less is more here. When we have worries, we really just need somebody to listen because it gives us the space to listen to ourselves. It gives us the space to work things out because after all, we're the person that needs to calm down our brain. We're the person that needs to reduce the worry. We're the person that maybe needs to learn from a worry if it reoccurs or if we find there's a pattern in it, because often with our worries, we do have patterns. We worry about the same thing, be it I'm not good enough or I'm going to fail or this is going to be awful. Basically, we're saying, you know, I'm I'm worrying here about making a complete ass of myself, which is really the basis of all worry that I'm somehow not going to survive this. Events are going to overtake me. People are going to judge me. So the next time you hear a worry, slow, your, slow down your response a bit. You know, fine-tune your bunny ears and say, right, hmm, might learn something here about me, about the adolescent or the young adult in front of me. They might also learn something which could be illuminating for us both. It might change the shape of this worry because that's what we're all about, changing the shape of it. It might change the speed of it. And it might actually change the whole process in an adolescent's or a young adult's brain of how they begin to see themselves in relation to this worry because we want them bigger than their worry. None of us want our our worries bigger than us because we all know that person that we call oh gosh they always worry and sure they worry about everything they worry about the weather Mm -hmm. and we lose patience with them so direct your skills and your competencies and help change the shape of your relationship your adolescence or your young adults relationship with worry And you might be pleasantly surprised because when we pay attention, it does actually pay off. That's it for today. I keep talking, saying I'm going to talk about the brain and I will. It's coming. Oh, that's it for this week's episode. If you would like to ask a question or maybe leave a message, you can get in touch with me on Instagram or by email, adolescence1 at gmail.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to my podcast. Looking forward to next week. Bye.